Hey, I'm Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. And in this episode, I'm speaking with Melia Gardner, who is a website investor and website builder and manages a portfolio of content websites. She has an amazing YouTube channel on what's working, what's not working for, and she interviews some really cool people. So her YouTube channel is something you need to check out. And I have put a link to that in the show notes. So make sure you go away and visit that. But in this episode, Amelia and I specifically talk about what she would do if she was to start over again and what she thinks is best for beginners to do and why. We also talk about how Amelia manages her portfolio of five sites and growing that portfolio of sites. We also talk about why affiliate sites are going to have a harder time in the future and why ad sites could be better than content sites and specifically why and so much more. So this is an incredible episode. You're absolutely going to love it. Before we get stuck into this episode, I want to tell you that this podcast is not the only way I can help you for free. I have my due diligence framework 2.0, which a lot of people have been raving about. It's known in the industry and it helps people do due diligence on websites. It includes questions you need to ask the seller and questions you need to find out about the business to ensure it's a good investment. So to get that, go to my website, buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash free resources. And on that page is some more cool free resources you can check out there too. Let's get stuck in guys. Do you want to start investing in websites but don't want to drop $20,000 or more on your first investment? Check out Odis, where you can buy premium age domains to build a website on and add Odis done for you affiliate site package to help you grow your website and get seen. Instead of buying a crummy website that's been built to sell with no authority, buy a premium domain with built-in authority, great SEO, and fresh quality content for your website. Head to odys.link forward slash Bob podcast to check out their great deals. That's odys.link forward slash Bob podcast. Link will be in the description too. Amelia, hey, thanks for coming on. Hey, Jared, thanks for having me here. Long time coming, getting you on the podcast. I'm glad that we, it was two weeks ago when we were having a chat, we mentioned, let's let's do some content together. So I'm glad we get to have a chat on the podcast now. Yeah, well, I actually had you on my channel maybe last year and we got to talk a lot about your business and then we had talked about doing it the other way and just like life happened. It does, life happens and it's, and it's been a year now. So how I found out about you, the first thing uh, I found out about you was you bought a site from Empire Flippers. And I want to dig into your experience of, of buying sites. So when did you buy that site and what did you learn from that buying experience? I mean, I've got multiple questions in one, so I'm just rapid firing at you. So I apologize for that. And yeah, like when did you buy it and what did you learn from that experience? Well, when I decided to invest and when I decided to buy a, a website or, or something that was already earning revenue, I was at a very early stage in this whole, I'm going to put up my air quotes, like making money online thing. Um, I very quickly, after dipping my toes into this industry, realized that I was at a severe disadvantage because I'm a little bit older, not gonna lie, and I didn't grow up with a device in my hand. And I didn't grow up with, you know, like basically eating uh, YouTube and social media for breakfast, lunch and dinner. And so some of this stuff, I just realized that I, I didn't know how to do it. And, and the learning curve was really steep, it appeared to me. 
And I thought, okay, this looks like an opportunity to hurdle some of that initial learning curve. And maybe I could buy something that was already earning. And then I could look at what had been done and learn from that, taking that and then move forward in my journey. So I thought, well, I have some cash. And that is one of the benefits, I guess, of being older, right? Versus being a 21 year old who just left their parents house versus being a former professional or recent professional with some savings, then that was something that I could do and think of it as an educational experience. Yeah, that's great. So you kind of thought that like, well, why not skip? This is my message. Like, why not skip that whole phase of making it really hard on myself and not earning an income? And maybe, maybe still the business doesn't do so well and doesn't earn an income. So what's your take on buying sites versus starting sites now, now that you've bought one? Well, I think that my feeling about it might be different than other folks. And maybe it just has to do with my experience. But I find that the there's a lot of, prop, I don't want to say propaganda, maybe marketing, but there's a lot of emphasis on what you find uh, online about making money online. It's like the shortcuts or the easy way or like getting ahead without doing maybe the work and the learning that you would need to. And some people will say, oh, this is a great way to get ahead. And in some senses it was, but it turns out that buying those sites didn't prevent me from having to go through the learning curve because I still had to learn how to write a blog post. I still had to learn about SEO. Just because it existed on a site already doesn't mean that because the H2s were optimized for SEO that I understood any of that. So the the thing that I got was I started earning revenue probably well before other people would have who were starting a site from scratch, but it definitely didn't leapfrog me past that initial learning curve phase. And in fact, I, I'm not gonna lie, I feel like even in year three, I am still in that learning curve phase because I recognize now, you know, year one and then year two and year three, I realize in year three how much I didn't know in year two. And then looking back at year one. So I think that if you want to buy a site, then great. And if you want to start a site, then great. But neither of those I think of as being the shortcut or, you know, this magic wand that like makes you poof, because ultimately all roads lead to you must learn this or pay money for someone else to do it. And even then, if you don't know enough, you can't supervise the people that you hire. So again, I still think that road comes back to you have to learn how to do, how to operate the business model that you choose when you buy if you're going to invest because otherwise you won't be able to optimally manage it. Yeah, I agree. You know, the best way to learn business is to be in business, right? And you can do that via starting or or buying. And what I say about due diligence to everybody in my community is it's an absolutely beautiful thing. And People are like, well, due diligence sucks because I need to find a business. I need to do due diligence on it. And by the time I am done doing due diligence on one of them, the majority, 90% of the sites I do due diligence on is I don't end up buying them because they're not a valuable asset. And that's a good thing because that 90% of time that you spend looking at those businesses makes you a better business person. And I'm in a very lucky position that I get to look at hundreds to thousands of businesses all the time. And it's helped me become a better business person because I can see what's working, what's not working so well, what the risks are, how to minimize or remove those risks. And this is where most people give up is they will come to buying a business 
from the philosophy of I can just skip the whole, I mean, you can skip the whole starting and grinding phase, but just skip the whole phase and then buy an income and not have to worry about it or not have to do anything. And this is where most people leave is because when they do the due diligence, they go, this is it's a bit of work in like trying to find the right business. And there is, right? Like I had somebody leave the other day. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to go because I didn't we actually, and this person has started online businesses before and is making money online. He's like, I didn't realize that there was that much work in doing due diligence and left because it's like they couldn't deal with like how much work was required at the time that they're in, the, in their life. And that's totally fine. I think if you're prepared to like roll up your sleeves, like you said, which you should, is you're going to learn a lot through that phase and it does help and contribute to the operations of a business. But even in year three, you're going to continue learning and thinking, I don't know how many years I've been doing this, but I'm learning every single, like every single time I do due diligence, I'm learning something new. So why did you choose the business that you bought? So what type of business did you buy and, and why did you choose that type of business? Man, you know, this is when things get embarrassing when you have to go back and look at what you did a couple of years ago versus what you would do now. And so I have to preface this by reminding myself when I feel embarrassed about this that I have to put my shoes of somebody who was in basically their first year of making money online and I was a total greenie. I was very new. Put it this way, my first business I bought was a massive failure. <laughs> Well, the, the criteria primarily for the business that I bought was that it fit my budget. Yep. Honestly, like I, I was, I had that initial, like I discovered the concept of buying a business and I see other people in this phase, which is why I'm willing to admit this and come out and openly say, this is ultimately why I did this. Because when you first discover the buying online business world, it feels like the gold rush. And the gold rush is passing you by. And if you have money and you see everybody else making money, you feel like, I got to get in there like as soon as possible. Because if I wait, it's going to be Tesla. You know, it's going to be Bitcoin. It's going to be too late. And so it, there was this feeling. And I see it in other people, too, who are new to the space where they just feel really rushed. Like, I've just got to find something that I can earn money from and do it as quickly as possible. And a lot of times they're shopping with their wallet. They say, okay, well, I've got 100 grand. I got to go find something I can spend 100 grand on. You know, it's like the money machine. Put the money in and get the money out. And then I'm good to go. And so I was looking at businesses that were in my budget initially. So that was like the first factor say okay is this a business for me or not is can i afford it all right and that's practical because you couldn't invest in a business that you couldn't afford but do i have the money for this and i was not willing to put it on a credit card or you know do one of these short-term loans to be able to afford this so i wanted to have cash and so i wasn't willing to go beyond that so that was one of the limiting factors is cash without interest and then I was looking at sites that I felt like were the least risky, the businesses that were the least risky that I at least knew a little bit about that I could operate. So I, I considered FBA and I considered dropshipping because I had dabbled in that a little bit. But ultimately, I looked at content sites, either for affiliate or display ads as being maybe the closest to passive as possible without the need to understand how to run paid traffic, which I felt like was a skill that you couldn't dabble in, that you really needed to know. 
and that it was something that was close to my own skill set, which is writing, because I had done a lot of writing in my life. And I felt like this was the place where I would at least be most likely to be able to carve out either some knowledge, right, or to earn money. I guess the least risk of me taking it on and just exploding it with my incompetence. Yeah. I mean, so many people are in the same boat though. Like if they're just like first listening to this podcast or finding out about yourself or myself is like, what can I afford? And a lot of people on YouTube ask me like, can I buy a business for like a thousand dollars? Like you can't buy a business for a thousand dollars. You can buy a website, a shell of a website that's probably not producing an income. And I get why most people want to start off at the smaller price range. And I think it's a good idea. It really is. And especially also not adding fuel to the fire with like financing and credit cards, like you said. But I think you did a good job in not buying something that you didn't know. You know, you at least had a little bit of a skill set around and you could identify like, all right, what's the least risky? Because it is risky buying an e-commerce business if you know nothing about digital marketing. And a lot of people come to the space and go, oh, people are just crushing it with e-commerce. They're selling products and people are, are sold to early on in the piece when they first find about, about how to make money online that, all right, I need to sell a product online and I need an e-commerce business. And they try to start one, it doesn't work. And they go, oh, cool, I'll just buy an e-commerce business. And they do that and it doesn't work or it works until they get a hold of the advertising account and, and stuff it up. My second online business startup was an e-commerce business. I started it, I built it and nobody came and I didn't know what digital marketing was. <laughs> and that business flopped because I couldn't get traffic and I couldn't make sales because I didn't know what digital marketing was. I learned from that experience like you have with, with your purchases. Honestly, I think the right person to buy the business that I bought is actually somebody who had maybe started a website or maybe had bought something smaller and had some fails, right? Like they had tried something and it hadn't succeeded or they had started something small and had some small wins. And then they had something to build on then to say, okay, I can go on and take it and run with this other business. And that was ultimately what I was missing was just maybe another six months, maybe starting a site and just running it for another six months. And it probably would have influenced maybe the portfolio that I ended up purchasing. And maybe it would have meant that I, I hadn't bought anything at all. Maybe I would have stuck with starting and growing. Or maybe I just would have said, you know, I, this isn't for me, maybe I will do something else. But it was just one of those things where you can't go un back and undo it. It's just that's how it happened for me. Yeah. Let me ask you this. If you were to buy a business again, would you have somebody help you? Or would you be confident in doing it yourself now? If I were to do it now, if I was buying a business in the same business I'm in now, I would feel comfortable reviewing a content site that was monetized with affiliate offers or display ads without issue. And I probably wouldn't go down the road of buying another business in a model that I didn't understand for the reasons that we talked about earlier, because I now see how important it is to have experience of starting it yourself and running it before going and investing really big. So if I was going to do FBA, I probably would do it with a partner or I would do it with someone else who was going to actively run it so I could ride shotgun and learn along with them. I think that if you are bound and determined to take money and invest it in a business, especially a business that you don't know how to run, then if that's what you're going to do, then I would say yes, do it with somebody else who knows what they are doing, someone that you trust 100%.
you can hire somebody like to look over your due diligence and then have somebody who can be a business mentor to help you run, operate and grow the business. And, you know, that's all stuff that I do. But, you know, there's other options as well that you can have people. Somebody messaged me the other day is like, can I buy a site and keep the owner on and have them mentor and guide me to help me operate the business and grow it as well? And it's definitely an option and it's been done by people in my community as well where we've worked out, you know, joint venture deals. It's a good option. You need to find the right seller that still wants to be a part of that business. But, you know, there's there's many, many options. If somebody listening to this is their, their first time kind of like thinking about buying a business, what would your advice be to them? If they were looking at doing the kind of work that I am doing, running a content site monetize with affiliate offers or display ads, I would tell them before investing money is to either buy something very small that they can experiment on. So something for a thousand dollars or less and learn some things or start something from scratch and run it for a while. You know, people come to me a lot too on YouTube just because I happen to be there, not because I'm an expert is, you know, what about this side or should I do this, that or whatever. And those are questions that if you had maybe six to 12 months of experience playing around with the site that you could answer yourself. And so much of that anxiety about, you know, is this a good idea or not is just resolved because you just have a little bit of time in the industry. Yeah, education definitely decreases risk. And the difference between like going in and buying a course versus just starting a site and like totally screwing it up, I would start to site. If you're going to invest $997 in a, an amazing course, that's great. But the only way to use that knowledge is to start a site and screw it up. I mean, people come to me and they, they say, what can I do? What should I do? Is this good? I'm like, have you started a site? Have you like gone to the back end of GoDaddy or Namecheap and like wanted to throw your laptop through the window in dealing with the WordPress? If you haven't had these experiences, then you don't know for sure if this is a business for you because I have almost thrown my laptop through the window that's right there. That's all the light is coming in. I literally have almost thrown a computer through that window because sometimes it's just that frustrating in dealing with this stuff. But you don't know that until you actually get in there and try it out. And you get that at any stage of business as well, that, that frustration. But I agree, is like you're going to lose time. And I don't think it's time. You're not losing time because it's, it's well spent on education, but you're going to lose money regardless either way on your journey. Like the amount of money that's <laughs> burned through is enough for people to, you know, not feel very comfortable. So I'm not going to mention how much it is, but that's been an experience that I've learned greatly from. So I like that advice. Now, do you have a bunch of sites now? Do you have one that you're working on? Like, what does your portfolio kind of look like now? Like, is it multiple content sites, one that you're focusing on? And also, what type of content sites? Are they affiliate and ads or just one or the other? Well, the business that I bought from Empire Flippers almost two years ago was actually a portfolio of sites. So it was actually, there was two main earner sites and then two other sites that were earning some and they basically lumped them together to inflate. I don't want to say inflate, like artificially inflate, but that just made the monthly earnings definitely more attractive because it was spread out across four sites. And then there were also some project sites. So I took on, I think, six or seven sites from that transaction. And then I also had, I think, four or five of my own at the time. One that I had bought as a project site from Flippa and then a couple that I had started myself. So I had a SaaS affiliate site. 
And then I had started like a mom blog to earn with affiliate and display ads. And then in 2021, in January, I started a case study series on my YouTube channel. We're calling it our, putting out my air quotes, our make the internet great again sites. Cause we just, everybody had such a tough time in 2020. We thought this would be a great time to start new sites together. So there's several, but somewhere between 10 and 20 people in our community who all started new projects, either bought new projects or bought domains to start a new project on. And so we've been working just month on month together. And it's really been funny, funny and fun. I meant to say fun, but for the Empire Flippers portfolio, I let the project domains go. I just let them go back to the ether and didn't keep the domains because I didn't think they were worth spending money to maintain them on hosting or to maintain the domains. I didn't think I would be able to flip them to earn money, even though they were aged domains simply because of the domain. So that's two of those gone. I probably will let one more of those domains go because it wasn't able to migrate. It didn't migrate well. It wasn't able to get reapproved for AdSense, but because it was one of the smaller ones, we just went ahead with the transaction because the two big earner sites did migrate fine and they earned fine. It was great. But some of the problems with that site turned out to be of a copyright nature. And so going back, I mean, getting bounced from AdSense because uh, for that site, because of copyright violations, I just, I haven't been excited to go and work on it and fix it because of the problems that it already has. So I probably will also just let that one go. So I'll probably keep those three sites. And then the SaaS site, I will probably maintain. And then the new stuff from this year, I will keep working on and I'm planning on hopefully starting another site. So two sites in 2021. And primarily ads plays, but we'll do some affiliate stuff. I just think there's a lot of opportunity in informational content and earning with ads. And I think Amazon Associates is kind of a, I don't know how it's going to be next year or come next month or even tomorrow. Let's get back to the affiliate and Amazon Associates thing, because this is another thing to talk about. Whilst I'm, my focus is on your multiple sites, I want to ask, how do you focus on multiple? So you've got four sites, three that you've bought, one the SaaS site, and then you've also got this fifth one that you started in Jan 21, and you might start another two. And I also have another one in the garage. I have another one off of Flippa. There's probably somewhere between seven and 10. I have to like sit down and like do the math, which is terrible. And so... Are you the main operator for all of these and do you have VAs and how do you f- focus on them? Like, so you're the main operator, is that right? For all of them? Yes. Okay. And how do you decide which gets more time and what time you spend on, on them? Ultimately, I spend time on the sites that I'm most interested in working on. I've had lots of jobs in my life where I didn't like the work that I did or somebody else told me what to do and how to do. And that was one of the joys of being able to move to working online for myself is I do what I want and when I want. And maybe that is the right thing to do. And sometimes maybe it's not, but ultimately I choose to work on the sites that I'm most interested in. And then the other ones, 
will sometimes be in a state of neglect, like sore need of a time and attention. And I'm okay with that because I'm focused on other things and I'm happy. Other ones I will work on on a regular basis. So on a monthly basis, like upload something new, maybe not a lot of stuff, but just touch the site every month to make sure one that it is still live, right and available and ads are showing. And that there aren't any issues with hosting, because sometimes hosting goes down and they don't even tell you, make sure that the, you know, the SSLs and everything is just operating the way it's supposed to and that the money is coming in the way it's supposed to. But mostly I can really only focus on one or two sites at a time. And if I'm the one creating all the content for it, let's face it, I can only really work on one site at a time if I'm doing all the content for it, like a big content push. So many of the sites are in a state of, I will work on you soon. And in the meantime, you can send me money and I'm cool with that. Is this the best possible scenario or solution? Probably not, because I think that the portfolio probably needs more time and attention. But I like not having employees. I like the stress, lack of stress of not having to deal with other people. I've had employees in the past and they're wonderful, but it also means that I'm responsible for them. And that's another layer of stuff I don't feel like doing. So maybe I grow slower. I love it. I really love that you are in your own flow and you're in your own process and way that you do things. A lot of people come and it's really, really hard to do that. I want to congratulate you on that because a lot of people come to the online space and like build businesses just because that's how they're structured. They build businesses like, all right, next person I need to hire is this person. The next person I need to hire is this person. And I was looking at a Warren Buffett thing the other day. And he's like, I've got 25 people on my team. Those people have been on the team for 25 years more. And we don't have all these corporate things that you know everybody else does. And we don't have like all these specific meetings and things like that because they do it their way, what works for them. And I'm glad that you found what works for you. And for everybody else listening, you should they should take a leaf out of your book because like you don't need to build it how everybody else builds it because you can just have a great life without trying to be a billionaire and have 10,000 people on stuff. <laughs> well, you so know, really one of like the that. interesting things about this process was reaching this point in the Make Money Online journey where – I didn't feel the need to ask for permission every time I wanted to do something. And I felt like that transition from maybe it's the experience or the knowledge or the time spent in this industry. But at some point, I realized that I was just okay doing what I wanted to do without this other guy doing the same thing or going to them and saying, hey, I had this idea. What do you think? Should I do it? And I think if you can stay in it long enough to where you get to that point where you're like, I don't care what you think about it. This probably isn't the way you would do it, or maybe it is, but I don't have to ask you if I should. You know, people say, should I get this hosting? Should I buy this domain? Should I choose this niche? Like, why are you asking me? If you want to, then do it. But there's a stage, like there's a point, a threshold that I think you can only reach if you've been doing this work for however long it takes, six months, a year, two years, three years, whatever it is. Yeah. I also think that some people don't really know what they're asking. Like they want to achieve something and they're looking for the right vehicle, but any vehicle will get you there. And you can say, why don't you just buy the pickup truck or buy the motorbike? It doesn't matter which one. Why are you asking me? But I think to give them a better answer, it's about, well, what's your actual goal? When do you want to get to that destination? 
and how do you want to arrive at that destination and what do you want the journey to be like as well? Do you want to sit on a motorbike or do you want to be in your pickup truck? And so I guess that people, I mean, I know this for myself when I first started asking questions to mentors and, and people that I looked up to is like, yeah, a lot of people just like they want to achieve something and but they ask questions to try and get an answer that's going to help them to get to their goal. But they're the wrong, they're the wrong questions. But I really do take my hat off to you. What's interesting, though, about those questions is that the person that they're asking them of learned the answers to them from their experience. Right. It's not that they gathered the, the answer from the motorbike or the pickup truck by asking their mentor or having someone feed them that information. It's that they experimented and then discovered the answer maybe after failing. Right. And so it, it's just that it seems like, and I say, I keep coming back to this, like you got to get in there and take your lumps however you get them, because then you won't need to ask questions like the due diligence question. They're like, well, what do I look in in Google Analytics? Like, what is the most important metric in there that I need to look for? And I say, man, if you just spent six months on a site, you wouldn't have to ask me that. You know, if you got in there, like, and there would be no anxiety. So people, when they, and I, and this is me, right? Because I did this in year one. So there was a lot of anxiety. It's like, is this, is this a good site? Like, is my due diligence good enough? Like, did I understand enough? Did I gather enough information? That anxiety is just, it just, there's so much less that if, if I were to go through that process again because of that experience, and it would be such a better overall experience because I just wouldn't feel like, oh my God, am I about ready to lose all my money? Like, I just, I wouldn't feel that. Yeah, I agree. We can go in down a personal development route here. A lot of what we do is trying to just get rid of our anxiety and pain and, and how we do it is through a different vehicle. But I want to come back to what you mentioned about Amazon Associates and affiliate versus writing great info articles for ads. Now, I'm a big believer in ad revenue getting better. I know that you probably are too, especially with where we're at within specific group. Yeah, we've all got our fingers crossed. Uh, so, and then I'm also a big believer that, you know, affiliate sites are going to have a serious shock coming. If you haven't already been shocked by some of the affiliate things that are, you know, and how those sites are set up, there's going to be some shocking stuff that will happen, in my opinion, to come. I want to ask you, why do you feel that you're into creating more info articles with ads over affiliate? Well, me personally, I believe to write the very best affiliate content, you need to actually be a user of the product. And me personally, I struggle to write good affiliate content when I am writing about a product that I don't own, I've never touched, or maybe I would never buy. And so for me, it is much easier to write info content because I feel like I can do that in a more authentic manner. I'm answering questions, providing useful, helpful knowledge. But when it comes down to like, this is the best hot pot or, you know, the best heated blanket, like, I don't know. I don't have any of those things. You know, I just say like, these are the features and whatever you have to write about to write good affiliate content. I think that the people who are on the websites, they can tell that you don't own that thing because none of the things that you write about are about like, this thing is in my house and here's the thing that I wish I had known about it. And when I opened the box, this thing fell out and I had to replace it because I'm a moron. I mean, they're looking for indicators that you actually have touched this product before. 
And that's going to make it a much more authentic review or report. And I'm a terrible liar. I mean, you could make that up, right? Like this, this heated blanket was the most luxurious thing and it felt so good on my skin. I, mean, I can't write that. Much rather answer a question like, how does a heated blanket work? All right, let me tell you how a heated blanket works and then try to make money off of people trying to advertise on my website to somebody to go buy the heated blanket. So for me personally, that content is just much easier to create. I might write one like really awful affiliate article in a week, or I could crank out 25 info articles of the same length because it's just way easier for me to create decent content. So that's why it, it works out that way for me. Yeah. I like that you come to it from a position of the content creation. What I see, and I like to like just shed back the layers of why people purchase things. And like you said before, there's a lot more trust from somebody that's used it or bought it and they're telling their experience and their story. And this is the way the internet, like I agree, we need to make the internet better, make the internet great again, right? <laughs> so this is my thing that I have with affiliate sites is that I see so many people look at affiliate sites for sale that have just all affiliate articles mainly Amazon Associate, can be others, which is okay. But they've just got a stock standard site with no about us section, no contact us section. They've got the affiliate disclaimer and all that sort of stuff. But why is somebody going to purchase from you and your article over somebody that has used that, bought that product, used it, videoed it, and wrote about their experience and stacked it up against all the other two, three, five, ten, or whatever there is. You know, the internet's heading that way and Google's heading that way and showing us that EAT's a thing, like expertise, authority, and trust. Like these affiliate sites do not have that. And I feel that they're just going to get obliterated and be lost in the wind. And I'm excited for that because they're just going to make the internet great again. And this is something that people need to be conscious of and, and think about that gone are those days that you can just hide behind a computer screen and be an affiliate. You really need to have that EAT to be able to stack it up against those people that are doing those reviews. Just yesterday, I bought a keyboard and I was looking at, you know, which keyboard's the best one in 2021 or whatever it was for my particular device. And I came across all these ones that had like the affiliate bank articles of like 10 to 15 different types of ones that you could buy in 2021. And then I found one of them had a video. I clicked on the video and this guy had two keyboards videoed, stacked them up against each other and said, this is what this one has. This is what this one has. This is what each of them don't have. This is why I like this one. And this is why, you know, I don't like the other one. I bought the one that he didn't like, but because I could see the differences, that is the best way to become an affiliate is to do the work. And I just think that you're absolutely spot on that it's hard, you know, you could be doing a massive disservice to somebody by telling them to buy a $100 product, right? And it's not actually right for them, but you told them it was. Isn't that crazy? What do you think about the AI, the artificial, artificially intelligently written content? Everybody is talking about, at least in my community, about the, what is it, conversion.ai you're able to put in the keyword and then put in your H2s. And then there's at least one creator who is doing a case study site where the entirety of the site he's going to produce with this AI blog content, you know, and it begs the question of whether or not investing in a content site that is based upon written content 
is even going to be a viable option going forward and maybe going, as you said, to YouTube instead of starting an affiliate business uh, based upon written content is that people will be creating their affiliate businesses via YouTube because that's something that the AI doesn't create great content for yet because people expect to see faces and voices, like real voices, not the like the automaton voices. They expect to see people and it's really hard to hide behind that. Look, it's a great question. I'm glad you asked this question. I think it depends on where they're scraping the data from, right? Scraping the information from. If an AI is scraping information from all of these other, you know, websites that don't have authority, expertise, and trust, then they're repurposing content from data that's not valuable and it just can create this vicious flywheel of non-valuable content. What I think is that it can be used in a good way in the sense that you could use it to, if you could monitor where the data and information is getting scraped from and then also edit, have a human being edit it and make it great based off valuable like resources that you really, really trust. Like I like to buy from certain brands because I trust them and I trust they're doing the right thing by the environment. And then that trust is built to me believing in a lot of things they say. If I just stack up a couple of those brands and I wanted to write about those brands and I got the data from them, I would feel much better and then have a human being edit that and put it out there, I'd feel really good that that would be a great, valuable piece of content that I would love to put in front of people. But there's two things, yeah. It's where do you scrape the data from and how do you make it user-friendly and edited by a human being? And I think it's got a, a place, but I just don't know yet. I don't know enough about it. And I think it's a great question. What do you think about it? What I see so far is that the tool can effectively create articles, maybe optimized for the algorithm, but the information in it is very often incorrect because like you said, it is scraped from other places. So you may see an article that structurally looks sound, but if you actually knew about the topic, you would know that you don't use a spatula to change the oil on a car, right? Or you don't use uh, almond oil to, you know, wash your hair. There's things like it would check all the boxes for the algorithm and the algorithm. I mean, it's Google is not a person, right? It's not a person back there. Like, I mean, they're people that run it, but it's a formula, right? And so they don't release the formula because the marketers would then game the formula and that's what they're continually doing. So, you know, and using AI, I just really think that what's going to happen is that it's going to drive the users from the articles because they're going to see that, it's very difficult to review content to make sure that it's correct. They're not going to trust the content that they're reading that is in writing. And they're going to go places where they can be assured that the content they're getting is correct. And you say, oh, well, Google's going to figure out how to verify that almond oil is actually used for A, B, C, or D. I mean, really? Like, I know that Google is sophisticated, but is Google going to start fact-checking all of our content? No. Maybe there will be some sort of rating system, like a user-generated rating system that Google will implement in the future to, you know, like Reddit, where people are like upvoting and downvoting articles or something to combat this rampant, this production of artificially created content created by people who, one, don't know the topic area, or two, just don't care because they make money. I agree that Google's not want to fare that content and put it in front of users because they're going to ruin their own business. And I think Google is setting up and being prepared for that in terms of like they're letting people vote. When people view a site, 
how long are they spending on the site, what's the bounce rate, what's the readability and all that sort of stuff. And Google will quickly weed out if that AI-driven content is going to be valuable or not. So I think Google will sort it out, but it's going to be interesting to see how it fares. So with that, I can see that you are preferably running ads on your site over affiliate and uh, it's pretty clear last sort of thing I want to ask you is like when you're growing your sites, what is, you know, one or two things that you are focusing on? Like what are the one or two ways that you're seeing it is getting you a better return, either more traffic or, or more revenue? I'm focused mostly primarily on traffic. So less on trying to, because it's not a affiliate content. I'm not necessarily thinking about conversions. I'm just trying really hard to get people to the site. And maybe it means I'm tar- targeting topics that aren't the most valuable But for me, I just think a a healthy site has people coming through it. And so that's mostly what I'm focusing on is just keywords that have as much search volume as I can get with the least amount of competition for them. I mean, literally, that's what I focus on is writing content on these keywords if I can find them. And that's probably 99% of what I do when it comes to operating my sites. That's great. I like that because content, it comes first. I think people try and tweak and optimize and do certain things to their site. I mean, SEO is definitely a thing that we need to have in alignment with creating content. But when it comes to conversion rate optimization for affiliates and ad placements and stuff, it's it can help you make more money. But traffic comes first. You need two things for a site or a business to make money is you need traffic and sales. And yeah, if you can't sort the traffic out, then anything that you can do and you're not getting any traffic all the tweaks and all the things that you do in the world for your ads and affiliate it's not gonna it's not gonna matter anyway you know honestly i still feel like i'm in this learning phase i'm in progress and so i think a lot of the projects that i take on now are still really focused on trying to get better at some of the basic uh you know really getting better at seo and really getting better at writing content and about making it the best possible content that i can make and i don't necessarily target maybe the most valuable niches because they're more competitive because i would like to tackle those types of projects when i feel like i've got the chops for it when i really feel like i know more about what it is that i'm doing so i won't feel like that's a wasted effort or that I will be the most likely to be able to be successful. And that's why I keep starting sites, honestly, is, okay, what did I learn last year? What did I do well? Or what did I not do well? And how can I look forward and do that better on this, the next version of this project? It's like the 2.0 and Amelia 3.0 and, you know, just so on and so forth. And, And the goal is, if I stick it out long enough, that when I do start a new project, it shouldn't be something that's stressful or anxious, kind of like buying a site, right? Is, is I should have the experience to say, okay, I know this is going to work because I've done this before. And I, I know this is the right call because I've done this before. And it worked out for me more than once because I knew what I was doing. Yeah, that's the recipe to being confident is trying things out, being courageous enough to try things out and give it a crack and learn from those experiences, rinse and repeat. You know, what's interesting about it is that the folks that are most successful, especially in the niche, in the community of affiliate and display ads, is they test, right? We talked about asking for permission and doing things the way other people are doing it. The big dogs are testing everything. Is this going to work? I don't know. Let's find out you know, and learning that something didn't work. So then they have this foundation that is so structurally sound, they could do whatever they want, because they already know this works and this doesn't. 
Yeah, it's how I teach my mastermind members when they come in, they have a business and they want to grow it. It's the most valuable thing to have in your business is data. And to have that feedback helps you make more empowering decisions. And it's the same what you're talking about when you do version 3.0 or 4.0 of your startup. You're building it based off the feedback that you've gotten and the data that you've gotten. You've just got it lodged into your head that you're doing it that way. And that's how I grow my business is how everybody that has any sizable business that they want to grow is doing is, is just using the data, using the feedback to not just, you know, at the start, yeah, you've got to throw spaghetti at the walls, but that's where the feedback comes from, the spaghetti that sticks. So I think that's excellent. It's been so good to chat to you. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And thanks so much for coming on the show. Guys, before you run off and listen to your next podcast episode, what I want you to do is think of two to three people who are looking at buying or starting a content site and make sure you share this episode with them because there's so many valuable gems from mindset to starting sites, buying and growing. So thanks so much, guys. And thank you so much, Amelia, for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.